Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we are hitting this uh, pandemic, and, you know, at first it's kind of, well, it's freaked, freaked me out, like it did you, like world's ending. And then we adjust, and you get pretty excited uh, last week, I think, you know, like, yeah, we're doing this social media stuff, you know, and all the stuff that we can do. Wow, you feel satisfied because we're successfully reaching the masses, and that's cool, right? Uh, but the second week, <laughs> I can just tell everybody here, too, we're like, this is no longer exciting <laughs> as it was. Um, as I woke up this morning thinking about this fantastic text about Lazarus uh, and the pandemic, um, I guess my whole mindset has been, and maybe it has been for you, to get back to normal. Can't wait till we fix this and we can go back to normal. To back to where it was. Um, but that's kind of sad. Actually, I, I would strongly suggest that's a terrible goal. To go back to where you were. To go back to normal. Was normal good? Are we going to do anything with this pandemic? I think for some people, that's exactly all they got. You live and you die and that's it. And so going back to normal is fine because you just, quite frankly, some people just think of themselves as animals. But how about instead, you don't go back to normal. You don't hope and pray that you go back to normal. And I get it, financially, all these things. I'm not saying health-wise, please, Lord, have mercy on us. But why don't, don't we use this for something? Or maybe God is using this to do something with us. In fact, I strongly suggest that's the case. Uh, thinking about that, it immediately led me to uh, this fantastic author. I've mentioned him before because very, very important. Victor Frankl, who wrote, uh, who survived the Holocaust, psychoanalyst, uh, um, a you know, PhD in psychology before he, this whole thing happened in Germany, recognized the difference in different types of people as they suffered in the concentration camps, which he was. Some people, I mean, first of all, how hard is it to handle something like that? And quite frankly, that was a crisis. But he recognized that people dealt with it differently, and some, he would say, you know, obviously just hunker down. And he says some there's amazing quotes from his book, um, what is it, Man's Search and Meaning, I think it what is. Because his big deal was this, is that if you can, if you know the why, you can handle any how. And if there's meaning in your life, you can deal with suffering. And he says some really cool stuff, a couple things, right? He says one thing, I grasp the meaning of the greatest secret that human poetry, human thought, and belief have to impart. The last of human freedoms is this, the ability to choose one's attitude in a given set of circumstances. He's saying this as he's suffering. That if you have meaning in life, you can deal with the challenges. So I ask you, do you have meaning in your life? Can you deal with these challenges? And what is that meaning? I actually think Viktor Frankl, his ultimate meaning was wrong. <laughs> He ends up dying, actually, later. He survives this. He goes on, starts a bunch of different nonprofit things, and was incredibly frustrated because the world had not really changed. If, as he would say, really didn't learn anything. What meaning are you going to get out of this pandemic so that you don't just go back to who you were? 
I think we find it in today's gospel lesson. John chapter 11, one of my favorite stories. I do say that about everything, though, don't I? So, <laughs> uh, No, this one really is. I say that about movies and bands as well. So anyhow, uh, listen to this, though. John says there's a certain man who was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Um, as you know, that story, that beautiful story, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, right? Your buddy, and that isn't just a person we want you to heal, but this is your, your friend. Lord, whom you he whom you love is ill. <laughs> But when Jesus heard it, he said this, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. They are suffering. They don't know why. They're scared they're going to lose their brother. Jesus gives it meaning. This awful event, this frightening event, is to benefit the sisters, Lazarus, and as John writes this down, you. This awful thing that's happening, that at the moment seems like a, just a dark cloud that's not going to go away, Jesus is going to use this to benefit Lazarus, of course, and others, right? To give glory to God. The same can be said for this pandemic, I promise. This is exactly what can be said. I'm not guessing. This is true. This is all we preach about. This is here to bring us to Jesus. Fact. This is here to benefit you. Fact. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, John says. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, I love this. So when he heard, so he loves Martha, the sister, and he loves them. So this is the response. When he hears that Lazarus is ill, your response would be, run right to the person. But I love this. John says this very specifically. John loves irony. Jesus loves Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus loves you. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, what did he do? He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. The opposite of what we would do. Why? Because he loved them. That seems crazy. How about that's the same case here? Because he loves you, say this to yourself, let, let God give you meaning to this circumstance today. Because God loves you, he is humbling you. After this, he says to the disciples, two days pass, let us go to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you because they've been trying to kill him, right? So that's, and Judea is the center of the Pharisees, the chief priests, all these leaders. And so that's why you don't want to go there because that's where, that's the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, bee's nest right there. And uh, so the disciples said, Rabbi, they're going to try to stone you. You're going to go there again? Jesus said, are there, not 12 hours? He says, are there not 12 hours of the day? In other words, I'm the light of the stinking world. I think I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> and then he says this. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. 
The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. They don't get it. He's trying to do beautiful poetry here, and it falls, it just goes over their heads, right? Jesus had spoken of his death, and Jesus said it plainly, right? Lazarus has died. You get that? He's dead. And then he says this. Again, this is insane. Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Those are hard words if you really think about it. They're cute to watch from afar, but what if you were Mary and Martha and you knew that Jesus could heal and he didn't rush right to you and he wasn't there and it looks like he's kind of failing you. And Jesus is glad, even though the sisters are crying. I don't think it's crazy to say we can apply exactly this to our lives, not just the pandemic, but in general, suffering. Because we, there's meaning in it. If there was no meaning in life, if there was no Jesus, as we are going to find out later on what he's going to do, if there was no hope, if you didn't know that you were a child of God, then suffering is ridiculous and your whole life should be avoiding it. And this is meaningless. And the pandemic just proves your point that there's no point to life. So when we get out of this pandemic, you're going to be a person that has no point in life. That's a very dangerous person. But there is meaning. Because we know the person who's in charge. And we know how he works and how he thinks. We don't know every little detail that is hidden, but we know his heart. Let's follow it in Jesus. For your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. But let us go to him. Jesus comes now. He's coming down the road. He's coming toward the town. And he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So this is not some ridiculous story about I died for five minutes on the operating table, which is questionable at that. And I went to heaven junk, which I strongly suggest don't read that stuff. This is four days. He's dead. He smells. This is, you can't explain this away. So Jesus comes and finds us. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Many of the Jews, that is, coming from Jerusalem, they're all connected. They know one another. And they came to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, what does she do? I love this. What does she do? She goes to Jesus. Mary stays there. So Martha goes to Jesus. And I wonder what she's thinking. Like, a little late, Jesus. She might be a little angry, a little frustrated, a little why. And maybe you're saying that today. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Which is beautiful words of faith, but maybe some frustration. Then she just says this. She corrects herself a little bit, doesn't she? But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I love this because this is what the faith was taught in the synagogues from the Old Testament, from the prophets. This is, a, this is an orthodox faith that comes beyond just Jesus. She says, 
I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, she knew that God had promised in Isaiah and uh, in Job that there's going to be this day of physical resurrection, physical resurrection, body, bones. Ezekiel that we just read, right? And she's looking toward this future. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection. And the life, resurrection is nice, life, not zombies like we're going to be when you go back from the pandemic and life's back to normal, back to being a walking dead. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, the meaning, the purpose, the logos of existence. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says, doesn't mean she understands it all. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is continually coming into the world. Before he does anything amazing, which he's going to do, he tells her, I am the resurrection. I am the last day is what Jesus is saying. I am the cure. I am the answer for the pandemic, for death itself, for sin, for all these things. And how do you receive this? How do you get this life? Jesus makes it really, really clear. It has nothing to do with your behavior or good works or giving stuff to God or making it up or praying so many times a day. It's not, a, it's not a loan that God gives you. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you have it. This is not a Pauline doctrine. This is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That you are absolutely righteous and you are absolutely saved and you will rise again because of what Jesus has done. And you have it because even as a little baby, you just believe that he can do these things. Just like I love what Martha says, I... I don't know how, but whatever you say, it's going to work. Is Jesus asking you this? Do you believe this? As you go through this turmoil, as you're frightened, as you're scared, do you believe? Even before you're going to see the end of the pandemic, even before you see Lazarus rise from the dead, do you believe? Have you seen enough? When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. When Mary heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. Why? Because she's amongst death. It's done. He's dead. There's only hope in what Jesus has to say. And she, she goes out and uh, Jesus had not come to the village yet, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go, they followed her, supposing that she was going to go to the tomb to weep there. But you see, she knows what's there. She knows it's death. She knows it's crying there. Where does she go? She doesn't go to the tomb. She doesn't stare in the depth of the dead, but instead she goes to the only one that has answers. And we're called to do the same, going to Jesus. And so she goes to Jesus and she says, exactly same thing. She falls at his feet. May we fall at her feet. I hope you're on falling on uh, Jesus' feet many times this pandemic. And she cries out, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, right? Same thing Martha said. When Jesus saw her weeping, and he saw all the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit, greatly troubled. 
Not because he didn't know what was going to happen or didn't know the future or all these things, but why is he troubled, right? He knows these things, so why is he troubled? And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus weeps. Why is he weeping? It's not because he doesn't know that he is the resurrection or that he'll raise Lazarus up again. Because for some ridiculous reason, can't really explain it, God actually cares about sinners. And even though we get ourselves in our own predicament, and even though you get yourselves in your own predicament, and it's, you only have yourself to blame, or humanity only has ourselves to blame, even on this virus, quite frankly, God cares. And actually, he's crying. As he sees us lost and broken, and when he sees us cry, it moves him. He's a sucker. He's a sucker for our tears. He's a sucker for our repentance and our fears and our falling at his feet. Even though he knows we're just going to get up and screw up again. (laughs) So the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some are like, man, it would have been nice if you had been here earlier. Are you like that? I think we are, aren't we? Jesus, deeply moved again, comes to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. You're going to recognize this story a little later, aren't we? And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister, and I love how John does this. He switches the language. Martha, the sister, not of Lazarus anymore, of the dead man, says to him. Because that's all he is. He's a dead man. There's no identity in a dead man. There's no dignity in death. Never has been. And she says, did I not tell you that if you, or, and then she says, um, <laughs> Lord, by this time there will be an odor he's going to smell. It's disgusting. He's far beyond healing. She was hoping at best, I don't know, maybe just this confident promise that it's going to be okay. Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God, right? That's what this whole thing is about. This whole suffering and all these tears and everything is about getting you through something that's going to be even greater. And then he prays. They took away the stone. He lifts up his eyes, says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, Unbind him, let him go. And what happened? Lazarus got freed. Freed. I love this language. Very specific. Bound to death and sin, loosened by the word of Jesus. Bound by fears and paranoia that stifle and suffocate and paralyze us, Jesus frees Lazarus. You think Lazarus is going to believe something from now on? Is he going to have a new uh, little, little skip in his step there? As he knows not only did he rise again, but better than that, because he's going to die again. Sorry. But now he knows it's going to be okay. He knows what God thinks of him. He's loved. It's going to be all right. Changes the way he deals from suffering from there on out. He's going to suffer again. 
but he's going to see it totally different. That sins are forgiven, and he's going to rise again permanently one day. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been freed. The story is for you. Christ, with just a word, has freed you from your sins. You are forgiven. I just said it earlier. I'll keep on saying it. That's why we're here. You're free from what you think you owe God or what you think you need to make up for. You're free of that. Because if you think this is awesome, what even greater than this is Jesus not weeping for us, but actually putting his life on the line in place of Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and you, and three days later rising again. And that gives meaning. You are loved. You're made by the eternal, the infinite, almighty God. And you've been more than that. Who cares? You've been rescued with the blood of God and freed and baptism removed of the shackles to your past and to your sin and your regrets and your shame and removed from the threat of death that even in this pandemic, no matter what, you will rise again. It will be okay. You know the last chapter. By the grace of God, Jesus died for you and gives you that. So that we have a greater understanding than Viktor Frankl. We can deal with suffering and challenges and persecution and a pandemic. Because we see the bigger picture. Because we know we're children of God. And we can embrace this instead of just react to it and hope we go back to normal. But instead, as people who know we're loved by God, we can embrace this pandemic, use it, Actually, God flips the story around using this to strengthen us, to make us stronger, to draw us closer to him, just as he did the people who watched Lazarus come from the dead. What happened at the very end? The last thing that, uh, that John reads, that John writes, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, had seen what Jesus did and believed him. And that's all that Jesus wanted. Why? Because he wants them to have life and hope and meaning. And the same for you. And he has and he will use this to do that to you in your life. Embrace it. Don't just want to, to go back to normal, but draw closer to God. I pray you leave this time with eyes wide open to the love of God in Jesus Christ and the hope we have in Him. And that it changes how we look at the world, our little problems that we're going to have afterwards, let alone our life. In Jesus' name, amen.